0: Um anyway, the beef stroganoff there was unbelievable. Mm. It was probably horse.
1: Inspired by the adventures of our nurses, therapists and techs, A Beer with Atlas is the only healthcare traveling craft beer drinking podcast. Each week, we'll open a few beers, talk about the brewery and the style of beer, and then dive into some research curated specifically for each episode. In the end, we hope each one sounds like a conversation you'd have with your friends while enjoying a few cold ones.
0: Welcome to another episode of A Beer with Atlas. I'm Rich. I'm Brian. America. Dolan, that was last week. Oh, sorry. That was last week.
1: He's on a fireworks high still, I I guess, yeah.
0: I still have all my
2: fingers, so. That's good. I must have done something right.
0: Yeah, you know, 4th of July could last all of July, so. Mm, Yeah.
2: I I would argue and say that Christmas starts on the 5th of July.
1: I'm with you, Dolan. I'm with you.
0: Man. But then you skip over Halloween and Thanksgiving and, like, Good. Those are the those are good yeah. holidays. There's room for that too. Well, <laughs> you
2: got to have a pre-chorus to the to the hook, right?
1: So that's true. I guess I'm not a, I'm not a huge Fourth of July guy. I used I kind of used to be maybe a little bit, uh, but then I got a dog for the first time, and then like you couldn't take the dog out for a week or two here in Omaha. <laughs> yeah. My neighbors back in the day would just blow up everything, and now I have a kid and a dog. Still the same dog she can't hear the fireworks anymore, but he can. And, uh, <laughs> it's not great. So hmm. yeah, I, I can, I can take or leave 4th of July. It's always hot as balls. It's always too hot. Always. <laughs> and when you look like this, you don't need to be outside. It's too hot. Not Here's that. the
2: thing. Like when I was, I was growing up in small town, 4th of July is so much different than, than here in Omaha. I, sometimes I wonder if it's fireworks or gunshots I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Sometimes it's both. Sometimes, Sometimes it's it both. Sometimes, you know. How else are you
1: supposed to light the fireworks?
2: <laughs> Shoot them. America. But as you get older, I think um, you find different ways to celebrate. And that that being said, you know, I go back to the small town. I got to watch the Derby, the Demolition Derby. There you go. Drink mm. some beers. And, yeah, I baked in 100-degree weather, but worth it.
1: Yeah it's worth it just don't get a sunburn; you'll end up looking like your shirt
0: yeah true yeah, husker nation all right so this week like we teased last week we're going back to is this brian is this the oldest or is yingling still the oldest
1: well you're, we're splitting hairs because okay. yingling is older but this one they say they're craft brewery yeah but they're so, owned by somebody bigger, and Yingling is still independently owned. So it's, a, it's just semantics. But they've been yeah, around a long time. A like long time. Years longer than some.
0: Way, way, way long. So Anchor Brewing, and we're drinking the Liberty Ale. Um, mm. I had more fun researching this one than I think in a while. Well, there's a lot to research, it's just so much history. Yeah. I, uh, Most of the
1: breweries we talk about are like, oh, they were founded in 2012 or 2018 mm-hmm. or yep. nothing that has this amount of time in it. Founded in. That. Look at that bad boy. Oh,
0: the, it's, it's beautiful. This is, mm. is beer colored beer right here. Yep. Like if you say, when, you know, it's my, my Jenny's uncle, when we go to wherever, you know, or whatever, what, what, what would you like to drink? I want a beer. Well, what kind? The beer flavored one. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he is as old school as you can yeah. possibly get. If you handed him this, he would be like, that's it. That's beer. That's beer color right there. Yep. He probably, Well, no, we'll see. Yep. Uh, brewery was founded in 1896. And, and here's where my research comes in because I thought this was, this ties back to the Midwest and I didn't, I didn't know any of this. So founded in 1896, uh, Things happened. Things happened, and we'll kind of work through there. But the important part was it was purchased by Frederick Lewis Maytag III in 1965. And if that name sounds familiar, it should. He's They're the still, great, yeah, yeah, great grandson of the Maytag Corporation. There's still a Maytag factory, like in a man, Iowa, or something like mm-hmm. that, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. So the ties back to Iowa are, are pretty deep here. Like they, they really, they really go in. If you, and and I'll, we'll touch on this a little bit. If you've ever seen or ordered Maytag blue cheese, that comes from a specific farm, the Maytag farm in Newton, Iowa. Hmm. So probably, I don't know if it's the most popular or most famous, but it's kind of like in blue cheese circles, it's like (laughs) calling it a Kleenex, right? That's yeah. a facial tissue. Nope, that's a Kleenex. Yeah. Well, this is Maytag blue cheese is blue cheese. Hmm. That's just how it goes. Uh, well, since I'm anti-blue
1: cheese, I've I've never heard that before.
2: Oh, uh, I'm gonna stop recording right now.
1: Why are you anti-blue cheese? Well, it ties back to my white foods thing that I had uh, kind of coming up with the mayo. The mayo and it's episode. stinky and skunky and moldy on purpose which is weird and you eat it anyway and i don't know no thanks
2: blue cheese is the only way okay blue cheese is the only way to have your buffalo wings it's it it can be eaten alone and it's the best cheese to go in salads Hmm. hands down
0: i can i can do it in moderation it's one of the old guy things it's an old guy thing so weird that's weird that dolan likes it but uh (laughs) It's one of those, like, as you get older, you learn to appreciate things like blue cheese. Huh. I
1: must not be old enough yet.
0: Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not.
2: I will say that if you get, like, the blue cheese, like, dressing, not a
1: fan. Like, the... the crum- you want the crumbly... I the want crumb that. Cup.
2: I want the crumble, yeah. I don't want mm-hmm. the the ranch pretending to be blue cheese or They whatever. probably
1: sell that at the Maytag Farm, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm.
0: They do, yeah. So uh, it moved it from. So he bought it in 1965. Fritz Maytag bought it in 1965, uh, and saved it from closing. And has since then become his. His name is synonymous with uh, the great. The what do they call them, the the grandfather of microbrews. So he like he started that microbrew kind of revolution, and, and all the way back in 65. I wonder what made him buy it. So there's, there was a whole thing, and I didn't get into it. Oh. It was they had to diversify a little bit. And Well, he believed okay. that the Maytag family needed to diversify, and <laughs> this was a way for him to diversify. We need a
1: brewery in San Francisco.
0: Done. Yep. yep. There's this old brewery. We can buy this place. Um, they – he moved it to its current location in 1979. Uh, it's one of the last remaining breweries to produce California common beer. And we'll get into what that means here in a little bit. Okay. So I had no idea and I thought it was fascinating kind of where that and you know where that came from or whatever. Uh, they actually own that trademark. It's now known as steam beer, like steam, like steam engine beer. Yeah. Uh, steam beer. Uh, and they own that trademark. So Anchor owns that trademark. Uh, Fritz Maytag was born in Newton, Iowa, and that's not too far from us. That's, you know, maybe it's on the other side of the state, but not, not too far. Uh, He's a member of the board of directors of the Maytag dairy farms, which is where Maytag uh, blue cheese is is made. Uh, He's considered the father of microbreweries because of what he did for Anchor. Uh, He was also, and this is interesting, and this is how it ties back to Atlas. So uh, one of our interns, uh, Caitlin Ryan, who's Steve Ryan's oldest daughter, uh, goes to Grinnell College in mm-hmm. Iowa. Grinnell College is uh, is close to is located there in Newton or close to Newton, and he is a trustee uh, for Grinnell College even to this day. He still is a trustee in he's what, so he was born in thirty seven, so that Dang. he's old. Yeah. Uh, but he's still kicking. He, uh, trustee because it's close to Maytag farms. Um, at one point, and this is where it ties back to me, which I thought was super interesting. At one point, he recruited Steve jobs to be a trustee at Grinnell. So I, that's how, you know, I mean, the connections back to San Francisco, but then there's this little college and the college has all kinds of history to it. The dude that started Intel graduated from college. Graduated from Grinnell. Really? Yeah. Uh, Warren Buffett has been doing all of Grinnell's investments for thirty plus years. Like, there's all kinds of really like big, big names tied wow. back to this college.
1: That's well, I guess San Francisco is kind of like, or at least it used to be, like the tech innovator hub, right? And that's still right. like a lot of what's there is like um those sorts of companies and like video game companies i remember when i saw was in san francisco a lot of stuff so that's kind of cool yep Hmm.
0: uh in 2008 he won the james beard foundation's lifetime achievement award for what he did with anchor brewing so james beard i mean if you're gonna go to a nice restaurant yeah that's the name yeah that's Mm -hmm. cool that's what he got it for uh for for what he did with with anchor brewing and it's been through some it's been through some uh, buys and sales. He sold it in 2010. He sold off. Uh, it was purchased by the Griffin Group, which is an investment and consulting company focused on beverage and alcoholic brands. So, alcohol brands. Uh, the brewery became one facet of Anchor Brewing and Distilleries LLC portfolio. So, they're doing a bunch of different stuff. Now, I can't say that I've ever seen any other Anchor like, you know, like rum or vodka right. or. Anything like that, but they say it's part of it. Uh, and then in on August in August of 2017, it was requir- it was acquired by uh, Sapporo. So it's now owned by Sapporo. So only for 85 million dollars, which I thought was a small. That seems like yeah. It doesn't seem like a lot.
1: It's kind of cool. He had it for almost 50 years. Yeah. You know, like he had it into where craft
0: beer was booming. That's pre- That's pretty cool. It's, it, it's an interesting read, just kind of going back that through, the, through the history or whatever. So, California common beer. I thought this was super fun. What's a California common? No idea. Did you have any – Brian, did you know? Do you know what a California common beer is? No.
1: It, give us some knowledge.
0: So, it's a, it's a steam beer. So, they changed that. They, they, they made it its own, right? They made it. A, it's called a steam beer. Uh, very effervescent, which I think you can get that out of this, right? I mean, it has a very effervescent kind of flavor or like profile when you, when you mm-hmm. drink it, uh, by fermenting lager yeast at warm ale yeast fermentation, fermentation temperatures. And at first they did this because they didn't have access to ice. Yeah. Like it was just, it was just the, the climate they were in and, and they didn't have access to ice. Yeah.
1: Before refrigeration. I mean, we're right? talking a long time ago.
0: Yeah. Right. So like as much as you see, like Coors talks about cold filtering and, you know, or Mm -hmm. whatever, this was, this was fermented at a higher temperature. And so that's what a steam beer is. Uh, Historically, steam beers are produced in California and in the east at the James River Steam Brewery in Richmond, Virginia. So Mm. both sides of the country. Yeah, weird. It's kind of strange. I mean, they were very specific about that, that one brewery in Richmond. Um, and it was from the mid 19th century through the mid 20th century, uh, a modern California common beer, a competition category that still exists at, at, at beer festivals. Yeah. Um, includes steam beer such as anchor steam beer. So this is a California common beer. Hmm. Um,
1: I think I've seen one in Colorado, like a small brewery. Had Interesting. There. But you've, yeah, you've got to, you have to do things. I don't know. It's like innovation. It was like the beginning of innovation, right? They couldn't do it the normal way. So they had to do it with what they could there. And now there's a whole beer category. A hundred years later. Pretty cool.
0: They figured it out. Yeah. It was, it's, it's somehow, look, they, it, it, the necessity is the mother of innovation. Isn't that right? Isn't that what they say? That's what they say. Yeah.
1: And they, so, uh,
2: they talk about it on the. On the bottle there. On the label, too? Yeah, they talk about fermenting yeast, uh, pure water, and the simple natural methods that reflect our exceptional respect for the ancient art of brewing. It is dry hopped, a classic ale tradition, and slowly completes fermentation in sealed bats in our cellars. This unique process creates Liberty Ale's distinctive bouquet and uncommonly delicate, entirely natural carbonation. Weird. Hmm. So So I don't know.
1: Yeah. If you notice, look in your glass and look at the bubbles. Mm Mm-hmm. They should be really small. Tiny. Oh, yeah. Smaller than, that's from that because a lot of places are like pumping CO2 in on purpose to carbonate their beers and what Dolan just read, that's how they do it. So they, they're doing it naturally in a big, long, like stainless steel, metal, it looks like a bathtub basically with a lid on it hmm. and that it's almost more like champagne bubbles. So you're not going to get dryness like champagne, but the bubbles will kind of be similar to that. And that's one of the only breweries I've ever known about that does it. And it's because they've been doing it that way for a hundred years. So wow, that's why the bubbles look differently in this, in this beer. Hmm.
2: Well, yeah. And they say that uh, while we're on the label on the other side of the anchor, It says, uh, San Francisco's famous Liberty Ale was first brewed on the 18th of April, 1975 to celebrate the 200th anniversary of Paul Revere's historic ride. It is virtually handmade by the brewers of Anchor Steam in one of the smallest and most traditional breweries in the world. Liberty Ale is made with the finest barley malt, fresh whole hops. And then, oh, okay. So then it continues on to what I read earlier whole hops, top fermenting yeast, pure water, and then so on and so forth.
0: And there you go. Hmm. I I recall when I was uh, when we did our research and then I, I uh uh when I was reading uh the and I the name escapes me and I sh- it shouldn't the dude that started Sierra Nevada. Uh, I can't think of his last name he they refer to him by his last name. I can't even Okay anyway that guy uh he would he would go down to to anchor and either buy old parts or equipment or they, he would just watch and they just let him in and he's like, yeah, whatever you want, you can watch. And, Oh, we're not using that anymore. You can have it if you can fix it. And so that was one of the things like he liked to fix his own stuff. Like he would go, he would, instead of hiring a, a dude to fix his refrigeration unit, he would take refrigeration classes at night to fix his coolers or, or whatever. And another
2: Ken Grossman.
1: Grossman. That's his right, yeah. well. Another tie-in that these guys have, which is interesting that you say that, and I'm sure it's because of this, um, they use, like Dolan said before, whole cone hops, Cascade is the hop mm-hmm. that they use. So that's not a pellet. Um, it's the whole thing, just like on the label. It looks like a pine cone. And they throw all those in there, especially at dry hop. Ooh. And it takes a ton of those to, like, right, really yeah, make yeah. an impact, right? Yeah. <laughs> They were the first brewery to use this hop specifically. And
0: Cascade because Cascade is
1: pretty wide, widely used. It is now, but it wasn't in 1975 when they started using it. Uh, But you know, who was the biggest user of Cascade hops is Sierra Nevada. It's what's in their pale ale. There you go. Like when that's a classic that we've had on this episode, that's Mm -hmm. Cascade hops all day long. So they kind of innovated that together at the same time. They, these guys used it and, and then Sierra Nevada picked up on it and they're still the main users of cascade hops. Uh, one of the cool things about this brewery is they're really tied to the old school. Like you're not going to see a whole lot of like pineapple hazy IPAs coming out of this place. Their beer styles are a hundred years old, but they're interesting because they're not even like what we're used to. It's not like German stuff. It's like, their own California stuff that's been around since the gold mining days. And that's just how they make beer. And then that's how they still make beer. And it's pretty neat. It's, it's a lot of styles out of there that are malty. So mm-hmm. just, like even this, this is technically an IPA, uh, but it's very malty. This is the first IPA that was ever brewed after prohibition. Really? Like for like a commercial. And that wasn't until 75. Huh. So they're one of the oldest. We've talked about Pliny, you know, being like the grandpa of the double IPA. These guys were the ones that really started that California trend of hoppy, dry hopped beers for bitterness and for aroma. Like that's where it comes from.
0: You know, and I don't want to disparage it at all, but, and I don't think this does, but it reminds me of a, it's a maltier uh, Miller High Life. Like the champagne of beers, right? Well, That's, yeah. that's
2: so weird. I was going to say Miller, like a darker Miller Light, But yeah,
0: that makes sense. There's the, like, you get the effervescent like they talked about. Like, it's, it, it is, there is good carbonation. But it has, if you took the champagne of beers and you made it more malty, this is almost what I think it would be. Hmm. Maybe. Yeah.
1: Like, I, I can see in your glass, I've got mine. It's got what they call lacing, real good lacing. Mm-hmm. So when you drink it, <clears throat> excuse me, there's like some white residue basically left over. And that's, that's a good sign. It's a good sign your glass is clean, Dolan and Rich. Mm, yeah. Um, this should be a copper color, which it kind of is. Mine looks different than what yours looks like on that computer uh, camera. But um, I know what mine looks like. This has no rice or corn. None of their beers have rice, corn, or any adjuncts. So they're okay. doing it the old school way. Malt, I, Malt and grain. That's it.
0: Hmm.
2: That's that's crazy to me because I was going to say that it tastes like the um what is the beer that we had in the Dad Beers episode that was made from uh the the corn grain. Grain belt. Grain yeah. belt.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: i it, it's kinda like that, but maltier, I think. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, let's see. One of the other things I wanted to talk about real quick while we're talking about old school stuff and cascade hops is that hop was cultivated or created at Oregon State University in the late sixties and it was finally released to the public in 71 and it took them four years to actually use it in a beer. So it had been around for a little bit. Um, one of the reasons that they use it in whole cone form is it doesn't, doesn't store well. So you have to get it and use it basically right away. You can't hang on to it. Um, whereas like pellets and stuff now, what you do, especially as a home brewer, even like a commercial brewery, you'll have that in the freezer. You keep that frozen. Uh, but whole cone hops don't stick around very well. And especially this this kind, it just does not, doesn't do well after a while. So you've got to use it kind of right away. Um, what I wanted to also touch base with on this was they have a there's a hop called liberty hops it's not in this beer but it's it's similar to this um it originates from Hallertoe, which we've talked about before Hallertoe hops mm-hmm. and uh that one also is one of those where you just can't you can't store it for long especially with these whole cone there's not a whole lot of places that use whole cone hops they're expensive and it takes a lot of them to really make a difference but the plus side of them is the oils are, I mean, you just crush it in your hand. So you'll see like on a Sam Adams commercial, he's like rubbing them together. you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that thing. Yeah. That's what releases that oil and eventually this, the aroma and the flavor. But most breweries don't, don't even get close to whole cone hops. So this is probably, the I would guess, the biggest brewery, or at least has the most distribution that actually uses that. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a lot of different styles of beer they have a really good barley wine that comes out every year they have a christmas beer the anchor christmas beer that changes the the uh recipe changes every year and they've been doing that one for like 100 years you'll, sometimes you'll see it in like a magnum like a bottle this big right it has a christmas tree on it um all their bottles are this size which is a weird shape it fits good in my hand i like it It's still twelve ounces, though, right? I mean, that's it's just a little bit wider. It kind of reminds me of like a Michelob bottle, if that makes sense.
0: Mm. Old school Michelob, yes. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, So that's yeah, that's kind of what I have that that's history related. That's not what you talked about, Rich. Um, But I do have quite a bit of stuff because it's so old. I wanted to kind of get into the country, the United States, and what was happening in the United States when this place opened. Mm-hmm. um so we'll get into some of that now uh 1896 utah was admitted to the union it was the 45th state mm-hmm. and there was a thing in new york called the reigns law that came through their state supreme court which basically said on sunday the only place you can buy a beer is at a hotel or a motel probably a hotel back then i don't think they made motels but you couldn't get it at the store you can go to the bar. Sunday was kind of dry, except if you're staying at a hotel, you could have a beer. Weird. Uh, there was another court case uh, called Plessy versus Ferguson. This was a Supreme Court case, and it upheld separate but equal. Yeah. So basically, se- racial segregation was okay with the Supreme Court in 1896. Uh, here's one that Rich might know about. The Dow Jones was created. Mm-hmm. Took 12 industrial stocks and mm. – Combined them up, and that became the stock exchange, right? So as we know it now, the Dow Jones was created 1896. Awesome. The first Ford vehicle was created. It was a quadricycle. So it had like a little motor on it, but it was like a bike frame that had four wheels, huh. and it went. And that was the first Ford vehicle, which was released in 1896. Uh, close to here, um, Lincoln, Nebraska, Omaha area, William Jennings Bryan was nominated to be the Democratic candidate for president. I think he ran Mm -hmm. two or three times and he never won. Uh, But Brian LGH Hospital is named after him and I know we staff that, Mm -hmm. in Lincoln. Uh, William McKinley did win the presidency. Uh, The song called Stars and Stripes Forever was, I guess written by Philip Sousa, John Philip Sousa. Mm -hmm. So that's like an American standard patriotic track uh, that was created in 1896 the new york telephone company started it's still around today but it was more like for telegraphs but they called it the telephone company but there was a telephone back then um and then here's some people that were born harry winston i don't know if you know that name harry winston jewelers so it's like a fancy he was like a gym trader and one of the very first like designers of jewelry as we know it so now Mm -hmm. everything is um on tv K and Zales and all those. This was like the first guy to really design rings, I guess. Harry Winston, he's still, that company's still around. F. Scott Fitzgerald was born, author of The Great Gatsby. Um, Percy Spencer. You might not know his name, but you know his invention. He invented the microwave. So burritos, leftover pizza microwave bacon. Thank you, Percy. And then Ira Gershwin. So he is the brother of the famous Gershwins and he was the lyricist. So his brother came up with the music and he wrote the lyrics for songs and movies such as a star is born. The Judy Garland version, the very first one wrote the lyrics for a song called I've got rhythm and let's call the whole thing off. That's the one with tomato, tomato, potato, potato. I don't think anybody says potato, uh,
0: except maybe Ira Gershwin did. Mm, maybe born. he did. You never know. 1896. Did, uh, uh, did, did Homeboy hang himself in the original uh, uh, Stars Born 2? I don't, I don't remember. Did that happen? Or? I th- not a hanging, no. Mm. But he took care of himself, though. He, uh,
1: I think yes, in that maybe. one. And then not really the Barbara know. Streisand one. That it was different. Um, mm. The 70s version, but um,
0: hmm. yeah. I'm man enough to say I like that movie. I don't mind it. Oh, it was Not great. bad. Yeah. it was great. I haven't yeah. seen any versions of it. <laughs> you need to watch the most recent one with Lady Gaga. It's pretty fantastic.
1: Yeah, it gave me a new respect for her singing. Like I've... Yep. I really enjoyed her singing jazz with Tony Bennett. Like they did an album together and I really oh, yeah. liked that. Mm-hmm. And then when I've seen her do, like even at the Super Bowl when she sang um she did like her voice is amazing yes when she's not putting on a pop show it was even better so like in this movie i was i was pretty impressed uh i really enjoyed it
2: i like lady gaga's story you know and when i mean that's a whole another tangent but yeah you know but yeah
0: so what do we think about this is this stand up for an ipa for you guys you know it's interesting if you were to tell me if you were not telling me what it is you just hand it to me and you say, "This is a West Coast IPA." I would not argue with you.
1: At all. Does it taste bitter to you? Like um, overwhelmingly bitter? No, 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 no.
0: There's I bitterness. What the the are, but yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's a nice. It's just a nice bitterness. It's yeah. it's definitely it it's definitely an aftertaste
2: bitterness. Like when you after you swallow and you breathe out,
0: mm-hmm. you know
2: that's when you get it. But I think it's I don't know it's. It's really good. I like it a lot.
0: Yeah,
1: I do. I do too.
0: For, the, for how long it's been made and, and, and just the, you know, the history behind it, there's a complexity to it that I did not expect.
1: Yeah. Maybe more so than,
0: than Yingling. Like I um, like Yingling a lot.
1: Yeah.
0: It, way more complex than Yingling.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think this is a kind of beer that it's one that I've tried before but it's also one that if you showed up to a party and there was people that drank beer, mm-hmm. you could bring this and you would not be ashamed. It'd be yeah. something different. They probably haven't had it. Or if they have, it's been a long time, just like me, Yep. Uh, but it ta- it just tastes good. You know,
0: they know what they're it, doing. It really does. Like it's, it's yeah. This seems like, this seems like they're super proud of history. They're super proud of where they came from. And they're not, they're not like you said, they're not going to be influenced by modern trends or whatever. Yeah, like, this is their thing, and this is what they do. And there's nothing wrong with that.
1: I'd like to go to their main brewery tap room, tap house sort of thing. Yep. I've been to San Francisco a couple times, but I've never been to this place, and
0: I'd like to. I, I bet just the history, just, just in general there, is, is mm-hmm. pretty thick, and I would, I would like that a lot.
1: I think we talked about the show before, um, but there was a show called Brew Dogs, on uh, esquire channel when that existed and Mm -hmm. they made a beer here using the fog from san francisco so they made it with the head brewer of anchor steam um to make a beer all the liquid that they got for the beer had to come out of the fog from san francisco so they collected clouds basically and built like a water filtration system up on this hillside out outside the golden gate bridge and all the water from the cloud and the fog collected in a pool, and then that was how they used it. so it was like purified water, and that was what they made the beer with, with these guys from this brewery, um, and then they fermented it in an open tank on top of the brewery, and that was how they, because that's how they used to do it in the 1860s, 1870s, 1880s, um, and that, they had photos and stuff from the original brew house, and this was around the time of the gold rush, is that right?
0: yeah I've got a whole like section here of just Gold okay. Rush information that's well, I, I got to tell you though brian that that sounds even though like okay, so that's how they did it mm-hmm. how they did it there in the show mm-hmm. sounds so like west Coast hippie to me like it's just like I, yeah, that's it and that's and and that's not an insult at all. It just sounds no. like like something they're going to do like that's something that you do on the west coast well that 's a
1: for that show they always had to they always made a, a a way to make the beer they tried to make something that would be similar to what the brewery that was hosting them would make, but then yep. they would put a twist on it like I saw one where they made a, a basically a brew system that could be, sit on a um, raft and they went down a river and brewed a beer while they were on a river. so you had to do like the physics and like making sure that your boil pot didn 't tip on the water like so it was like freestanding and it had to like equally level itself out on no, no matter what. And this was just the challenge of this brewery was to like make a beer with no water using only the clouds and the fog. Cause that's what San Francisco is known for.
0: It was that's pretty cool. The- it was a kind of a fun show. I wish it was still on. I need to go find those. Like we, we looked at what, one or two episodes there on YouTube. I'd mm-hmm. like to really watch the rest of them just to kind of, yeah. And they make
1: pretty good, good beer too. Those guys.
0: <laughs> so so I went back and I did just a little bit like, okay, so let's go back before, let's go back to 1896, like you did, right? Mm-hmm. Two years later, uh, basketball was invented. Well, basketball, college basketball started at the University of Kansas, 1898. Uh, toot toot, your horn there. Okay. They, whoop, 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 whoop. Home of college basketball, the home of basketball. Uh, it was invented before, and but that's, regardless doesn't count it started in Lawrence Kansas on on right. the uh, on the campus of of uh University of Kansas anyway 2 years later before that though California gold rush was was in full effect uh and I love I I clipped this out because I love just I love slaughtering names here okay and there's some good german names here for me to crush well, I'm sure yeah so uh anchor began during the California gold rush when Gottlieb. Gottlieb, thats a great German name. Mm-hmm. Breckle, B-R-E-K-L-E. Breckle, Bre- Bre- yeah. Breckle, Breckle, Breckel? I think Breckle. Breckel, yeah, Breckle uh, arrived from Germany and began brewing in San Francisco. So uh, even so, he wasn't there for the gold. Yeah, he was just there for so he's like sell he was beer to the gold. Yeah. Brand. Cool. pickaxe salesman, right? I mean, who makes the most money during something like that? The dude selling a pickaxe or this guy. Yeah, the supplier. Godlieb, selling
1: beer. So that Breckel Anchor makes a beer called Breckles Brown. Mm.
0: They still make today. That's him. He started it. Um, so, yeah, someone needed to make beer for these guys that are looking for gold all day long. He's the dude. In, 18, in the same year, Ernest Baruth... B-A-R-U-T-H and his son-in-law Otto another very good that's name, German Otto yeah. uh, Schneckel S-C-H-I-N-K-E-L Schneckel okay Junior so Otto Schneckel and his son-in-law Ernest Baruth bought an old brewery uh, on, uh, at 1431 Pacific Avenue and called it Anchor Brewing the brewery so burned, old, then. old yeah So, it existed, yeah, even that far back. That's cool. That brewery burned down in the fires that followed in in the 1906 earthquake. So, earthquake in 1906, burns down, uh, and was rebuilt at a different location in 1907. So, they took a little bit of time. They rebuilt it. Uh, No record of what Anchor did during Prohibition, though. I got Mm. some guesses. Yeah. They made soda pop, probably. Sure. Root of course beer. They, did. they made hand sanitizer.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then they drank that hand sanitizer.
0: Yeah, they did. Yeah, in a bathtub. And then they all went blind. That's my favorite Homer Simpson. When oh, yeah. Homer tries the, uh, was it the uh, Flaming Moe? Yeah. The Flaming Homer.
1: The Flaming and he, Homer.
0: And he goes like this, like, nope, I'm not blind. So <laughs> it must be okay. Uh, but then they... they resumed making the steam beer which they called it steam beer even that even back then um after prohibition was repealed uh it was the only brewery still in operation in that area so hmm. they had the market cornered they were the only ones yeah. make beer. so probably because they never stopped making beer quite honestly. yeah i mean that's a good idea yep uh however the brewery burned down again uh, within a year and was relocated one more time to the current location where it's at right now. So it, uh, it's been plagued. It was early, early on plagued by fires. It, that like warm fermentation must have, uh, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. So people
1: just don't really realize how dangerous fire used to be. like whole cities burned down. Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. and now it's just like, man, whatever fire department, will show up. What I guess yeah. yep. back then, like your shit was gone. Yes. It was over. And like a lot of cities burned down many times. Yep. That's crazy.
0: Yeah. So I, so, I mean, the roots of this brewery go all the way back to the gold rush and, you know, just, just a bunch of thirsty dudes out looking for gold all day, come back and they want to drink something and they're drinking this beer right here. Nice. Like, wow. this is this is the beer that they're drinking. Maybe not as cold, I'm guessing. I, I'm guessing. Maybe.
1: No ice, yeah. <laughs> room temperature, but yeah. you, what you can get. Oh, yeah. So, what I've got left, um, because the term liberty, you see it everywhere. Sure. So, I, I, what I did was I did a little research on different companies and things that have liberty in the name, and we'll just, you know, hit me with what your thoughts are, and then I'll save the best one for last. But... Um, I thought of uh, the Liberty Bell. Philadelphia. I know the story of the Liberty Bell. I know it's in Philly. I know it has a crack in it. Yep. Why does it have a crack in it? I don't know.
0: I don't Michael remember. Hit it too hard. I'm not sure. I've seen it twice. I've been there twice. Okay. Um, and I think that they tell the story. I don't recall why. Did
1: they, okay. So, yep. Somebody help us out. Why do they? Why is there a crack in it? They rang it so hard. There's a crack.
0: I don't know. Yes. Maybe it was a fire and the fire crack could have been. Oh,
2: yeah, uh, I I just Googled it real fast. Okay. (laughs) It says, cast at London's White Chapel Bell Foundry. Yeah. Arrived in Philadelphia in August 1752 because the metal was too brittle. It cracked during a test strike and had to be recast twice.
1: Oh, boo. So it's just bad manufacturing. It's it's famous because it's really old, and I guess, and they've kept it. All right. Mm All right um liberty mutual insurance company mm-hmm. heard of that liberty 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 that commercial mm-hmm. um
2: they stand outside in that yes the, yes that's right yeah yeah lady liberty costume and <laughs> uh,
1: uh i don't know if you guys see, seen this show glow on netflix yep there's a character called liberty bell the oh, that's good. the gorgeous ladies of wrestling that's right a great show i love that show Very uh, good.
0: uh our our favorite podcaster mark maron mark Marin's in it
1: yeah yes. uh there's a city called liberty missouri yep there's some breweries down there
0: i staffed a number of nurses at the hospital there in liberty missouri there you go
1: uh i did a little online sleuthing and i found this thing called liberty dispensaries i didn't get into it too much hmm they don't ship here, uh, but yeah, Liberty Dispensaries. Um, are, they, uh, are they located in Colorado? Uh, they are. Weird. <laughs> there is a Liberty University.
2: Liberty University. Which is huh? Division
1: One. Yeah. Uh, they are the Liberty Flames. They're basically a Bible college. Yeah. And founded mm. by Jerry Falwell Sr. True.
0: In Lynch, Lynchburg, Burke, Virginia. Virginia. Yes. Now they have a basketball team, correct? Yes. Yeah. And I believe they've, they've made it to the, the NCAA tournament at least once. Yeah. They may have won. They may have gotten the automatic bid because they won their, uh, conference. They won their conference.
1: Well, that's more wins in a tournament than Nebraska has. That's for sure. Mm, yeah. Rough. Um, mm. They're known as, yeah, their, 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 their mascot is Sparky the Eagle. So that's very American. Hmm. And then the last one I wrote down was the Statue of Liberty. Hmm. So I'm going to hit you with some Statue of Liberty facts. I've never been, have you? Nope. Dolan? Nope. Uh, I think some of my family came through the old Ellis Island back in the day hmm. from Germany. Uh, the Otto family, as you were talking about earlier, that, that home. That's yep. my, my mom's maiden name, last name. Uh, Statue of Liberty was a gift. From Paris, France, and basically it was because they, they wanted France to stand up to Napoleon, so like this is a monument to freedom, and America is the picture of freedom and democracy right now uh, let 's send them this big present, and then hopefully we will get inspired too, uh, but it wasn 't exactly free; they had to fund it and mm-hmm. pay for it, and most of the donations that came in were under a dollar, which was still a lot back then, yeah, but it was like privately paid for. And then like the last few thousand dollars, some of the um, businesses donated, but most of it was paid for by citizens like you and Dolan and I uh, with, you know, 60 cents at a time. Uh, this, goes,
0: this goes back to, so this actually came up a few weeks back, uh, back to the Ryan family. Again, the Ryan family, which is, this is weird. Maybe this is what they do on the weekends. I don't know. Um, they were arguing about whether or not the Statue of Liberty was was given to us from france as sort of a thumbing your nose sort of thing at Mm. the english right because france and england you know mortal enemies right i mean that's hatfield's mccoy's kind of deal right and so france steve's argument was france gave us as with everything else you know or whatever part of it was here you go, America. We love that you broke off and you made the, you know, from from the Brits and and you embarrassed them and you know whatever. Yeah, maybe, that might have
1: been some of it. Maybe, maybe. That's not oh. what I found in my research, but you know whatever.
0: I I'm, think so. I'm not going to argue with the big big boss. Yeah, I think the French are just are just spiteful enough to do that. In addition to everything else, right? Mm, okay. They're like, oh, this is a byproduct of that. Yep. There you sure. go. Send it. Maybe. It was sent. <laughs> just send
1: it. <laughs> just send it. It was sent over in like twenty five huge crates on a boat that almost sank in a huge storm, so we almost didn't get to have it. Huh. Um in 1916, which is middle of World War I, two German guys get into the Statue of Liberty and they bring a bomb, like some dynamite, and they're trying to basically blow it up. And they do blow it up. They're up in the uh, arm that's holding the torch. Yeah. And since then, that's been closed to the public because they did enough damage that structurally they can't open it. They don't feel safe about opening it. And so since then, so almost 100 years, I guess it's been 100 years, you can't go into that arm of the statue. Wow. So the statue itself is steel. And then it's coated with like a coating or a blanket of copper, which is. As thin as two pennies together. That's that's the coating. So what we're seeing is as thick or as thin as two pennies stacked on top of each other. That's wow. how much copper is on the shell of the iron thing. Hmm. And when it was built, it was the biggest iron structure in the world. Um it took like a couple of months to put it all together. The waistline of Lady Liberty, as she's called, is 35 feet. She weighs 225 tons uh let's see what else that, oh the she has like a crown on and mm-hmm. has points and there's seven points or seven rays and that represents the continents so liberty is felt in all the continents of the world uh, because of that on her head um there's 354 steps from the base to the head of statue of liberty okay which seems like that doesn't seem like very many
0: that's not very many
1: yeah no, but they must be huge steps. I don't know.
0: She's a big she's a big gal. I guess uh, I only tall. have I only have 13 steps from my basement to the main level. So But that's too
1: much, isn't it? 13? Like you're winded. I am. I get tired. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm not yeah, right. I'm not climbing 354. No. It. Uh the actual name is Liberty Enlightening the World. That's the name of the statue. Hmm. And she was designed after Libertas, which is the Roman god of freedom. She gets annually between 4 and 5 million visitors a year, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the Eiffel Tower gets more, almost 10 million. And then I think it's either, it was either Big Ben or the Tower of London gets like 4.5 to 3.5. So a little bit less than the Statue of Liberty. Hmm. Uh, the island it used to be on was called Ellis Island, but now it's known as Liberty Island. So that was changed, I think, in the late 50s, early 60s. They changed the name of that. In 1986, they did a full restoration of the Statue of Liberty. And the outside of the torch is thin, thin sheets of 24-karat gold. So that's why it stands out a little bit. Hmm. Um, I will send you guys a picture. I just found it on Reddit actually yesterday of the Statue of Liberty and what it – it's an illustration, not a picture, but it's what it would have looked like when they put it up to what it is now, because it was it's copper on the outside, so it would have mm-hmm. been the same color almost as this beer, yeah, when it was first put up. And then it breaks down the oxidization uh, of the water, because it's on the waterfront, and the salt water and the air and all that stuff, and it changes the patina, changes color. So it starts out as a darker green, and then it ends up being a lighter green. I'll send that to you guys later, but I thought that was kind of cool. Shows after, like, basically after 50 years, we, the color hasn't changed much. So um, in 86, they didn't really, they didn't, like, put new copper on it or anything. They just kind of fixed it on the inside. Uh, that's
2: that's what uh, I was going to ask you, because you were always taught that in, in school, too, that when the Statue of Liberty was put up, it had the copper color mm-hmm, to it. Yeah. And then after some time it turned you know yeah like- and that's why
1: yeah you'll see like at least there's a historic neighborhood in lincoln and some places around here too but they've had uh, copper shingles you'll see sometimes on roofs uh or copper gutters it starts out that coppery maroonish color almost and then it ends up being like a lightish green which i think looks kind of cool over time
0: yeah could they go um, could they go polish it and get the yeah. copper color back
1: I, I think it's Earth. chemically it's changed. It's the oh. structure itself is different now. So you'd have to almost have brand new brand new stuff. But that would look weird, wouldn't it? It Just, would kind of look weird. Because I don't would. think there's any color photos of it. Like I don't mm-hmm. think that was a thing back then. No. I don't nobody ever has recorded what it looked like before, but it would be weird if it was brown. Yeah. I've seen
2: the I've seen the picture that you're talking about from Reddit and it Oh, is
1: there one? Oh, the one yeah. you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The,
2: the one on the Reddit thread, it, it's mm-hmm. still kind of, it, it is weird looking at it. Like, you know, <laughs> if it was still that copper color, you know,
1: the last thing about the statue of Liberty that I know that I, that I read about, I guess, is it was dedicated in 1886. So that was the first time people could go there. And back then you could go all the way to the top. Um, Then in 2001, we had, you know, 9-11 happened and it was closed. You couldn't get in there at all. And that was closed for almost five years. And now it's very limited as how many people can go in at a time. There's certain areas you can't go. You definitely can't go to the top or the head or anything anymore. It's kind of like, um, uh, I think you stop halfway through like the chest part from what I could tell on a diagram. So you can't get to the tippy top and, not like, what is it, X-Men 2? You can't look out the top of the of yep. the, uh,
0: the crown or whatever, but. I was thinking more uh, G.I. Joe the movie where like the opening scene is them fighting Cobra at the Statue of Liberty.
1: Oh, nice. And they're all oh, over American. It, it. Yeah, yeah. That's
0: totally American.
1: So that's, yeah, those are my little factoids about the Statue of Liberty. Hmm. I don't know if I would want to go there. I mean, I guess it, eh, they have one and I've seen it in Vegas,
0: right? At, New York, York. that's cool. That's good enough for me. I kind of feel the same way about the Eiffel Tower. Like, I've been to the top of the one in Vegas. I really don't need to go to Paris. I've been
1: to the one in Paris, and that was pretty cool, but man, was it crowded. Mm. And this is a good tie-in, Rich, actually, because this is very America, American. Yep. So I was there with my family. This would have been in 2000, so right before 2001. Okay. And we were in Paris. We were there for two days, and we went off and got some dinner and like a, this was after sightseeing all day. Mm -hmm. We saw like the biggest mall in the world at the time. It was like two city blocks. It was huge. Uh, And then we went to the Eiffel tower. And then after that we went to this little mom and pop restaurant. And for some reason it was stuck in my, I guess she was like my step aunt. So my aunt, we'll just call her my aunt for the story. She had it in her mind that French people ate horses, right? I don't know. Is that a stereotype? Maybe. Mm -hmm. Okay. Something she heard: French right. people eat horses. Yeah. I'm 21, and I'm kind of already, you know, I'm embarrassed at the fam. I don't really want to be there with them. I'm, I'm doing my thing, and uh, we go into this restaurant, and she's like, "Yeah, uh, just make sure you don't serve us any horse meat." That's mm. what she's. That's to start out the restaurant uh, experience. Oh, and how come there's no ice? We got that too. Oh, no yeah. ice in the water, and please don't serve us. Horse meat. Hmm. that yeah. was when i was a little bit embarrassed to be an american that uh so <laughs> horse, had they had horse
0: meat back there they should have served they should it have that would have served her right <laughs> yep i agree i uh, uh may or may not have eaten horse meat one time and actually went oh back and i ate it a second time nice was, don't know where were you uh, in this was kamarova siberia when okay. uh when we were adopting maddox there was a place so there was a place that we would go every morning for breakfast it was called the travelers cafe so if you go back to last week's episode we talked about like how coffee is a like a destination not a to-go yeah. thing in other countries right. that's what this place was it was it was called travelers cafe it had the best cafe americano coffee I've ever had ever um, and these delicious like warm muffins anyway the the, the people that worked there were uh, younger like you would imagine working at a coffee shop, yeah. Uh, but they like to practice their English on when Americans would come in. Sure, yeah. So and so then we would practice our Russian on them, which was it was a weird kind of back and forth. Uh, the one knew enough English to say, "Okay, if you want like really good food, like you want you want like authentic borscht, you yeah, want you know, red cabbage stuff, yeah, yeah." There's a place across the street. Go over there, and it reminded me of kind of when you would go to like an old school kind of restaurant here in the States, like an old school, um, what do you call it? Deli a steakhouse. Like, Oh, okay. The the restaurant was like an old school steakhouse with like wood on the walls and wagon wheels and you know, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, anyway, the beef stroganoff there was unbelievable. Mm. It was probably horse, the horse stroganoff delicious. I, I had it twice. We went there twice. Uh, I ordered it both times. Yeah. In fact, we went back again because it was so good. And I told Jenny as I was eating this, I'm like, mm, this is like no beef I've ever had before. Mm, so tasty. Oh. I, I've said it many
1: times. Horse meat makes the best gravy. <laughs> just, I'm just going to say it.
0: This stroganoff had great gravy.
1: Yeah, I'm telling you. So mm.
0: I don't know. I don't feel bad. Ma- no. Maybe I don't. You're know.
1: there soaking up the
0: culture. That's what they do. Yeah, I guess it was delicious, and they were they were pretty great there too. Like it was it was one of those things like we've talked about before. Like you know, just it, it they were just happy that people were there and eating and you know and having fun, and it was just it was kind of a homestyle environment, but homestyle in a different way that like I've ever experienced before. Kind of just like like everybody's happy, everybody's family here, like like Olive Garden. Times ten, except, except it's horse meat. Except yeah, it's horse meat. meat or whatever. And some really good wine too, because man, my wine hangover the next day was pretty great. <laughs> uh, Nothing worse than that. Mm. Yep. So she she should try horse. I guess I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's the uh... Dolan. You're the only one that hasn't had it. I guess.
2: I you know Uh-oh. I would I would try it. I I really would. I would. I would try horse, but I I just don't think if I, I I think if it was already in front of me prepared, I would try it. But uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't condone the raising of horses for me. You know what I mean? I, what
1: if you knew the horse's name? Would that help or hurt?
2: It would hurt.
1: Yeah. I
2: think think horses are one of those animals that are like just majestic as fuck. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) You know, so (laughs) that's america right there. What Noah just said. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But if well, if it was prepared in front of me, you know, I wouldn't have any problems with it. I just think that uh, I would have an issue with, you know, myself going about and raising a horse for meat, I guess. Yeah. My personal opinion, of course.
0: I, we sure. are not condoning the use of horse meat <laughs> in any type of cuisine. <laughs> I think that's how COVID started. I made well, that was uh, <laughs> the weird bat thing or Oh, whatever, that's right. Raccoon or whatever that thing was. Yeah, I, hmm. I survived. I thought it was fine. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. wow, we made it quite a trip today, fellas. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> a couple of different continents here, right? Yeah. I mean, so i I wonder. I wondered about untapped, and I didn't look it up until now. So I'm going to look it up. Do you think this might be one of the highest numbers? Rank? Maybe. Yes. No. No. Nope. Liberty Ale. You know what? There are four stone beers that come up before Liberty Ale comes up. Hmm. That's hmm. weird. I don't know. It's pretty up there. Uh, one hundred and one thousand check-ins.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a lot. But
0: Untappd's been around for almost ten years. So that's, weird. Oh, this goes back to your like your roots in Untapped, probably. You checked this in October 27th, 2012. Oh, dang. Yeah. Eight years ago. Yeah. And then again on August 17th of 2014, both the same. You weren't very generous Hmm. during these years. Well, I didn't know what I was doing. Weird.
1: You gave it a three both times. Yeah, that was before I decided I would be happy and generous all the time.
0: I guess. Yeah, this is yeah. this is like pre uh, – yeah, because right now you would hate a beer and still give it a three, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> huh. Uh, 101,000 check-ins. Where do you think this one lands? 3.81. Um, 3.3. Uh, 3.48. Mm. Hmm. You know, I, I can see it. I can see it's not, yeah. it's, it doesn't knock your socks off. No, but at the same time, dudes that are on this app are craft beer guys, right? Yeah. And yeah. so this is just a, this is just a, it's a, just a beer. It's just a beer. Yeah. Right? It's
1: not, there's nothing magical or added or anything, but that's kind of on purpose, you know?
0: Like I said, Uncle Larry. Would be very happy with this. He'd be. He'd almost made me think this was too fancy. Like I'd you know, like this in a big mug, like a twenty-five mm-hmm. ounce big mug. Yeah. I'd would,
1: I would drink that all day.
0: He might. Whoa. He might think this Ooh. is a bit too much. He'd be like, "Whoa, this! I can't yeah. afford this fancy beer." Uh, oh yeah,
1: <laughs> give me yeah, mm. something in the blue like, can.
0: It's
2: mm. like my uh, father-in-law with Blue Moon. It's, it's just. It's just too much for me. It's too too craft. That's <laughs> what he told me.
1: blue moon
0: is too craft too craft there's those folks out there i guess Man, i i I guess so so i would probably i'd go three and a half i'd be fine with that i don't i don't see any yeah none at all as some of these go you know yingling and 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 pale ale from sierra nevada like if you or you know boston lager if we're gonna if we're going to try to compare these to some of the mainstays that we've had in the past, so you some of the old school that we, old school for us. Maybe, right. right. Yeah. Not old school, like in, in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's right. It's right in there.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I just, I I like this one just for other reasons. Like the bottle shape is great. The story is great. Um, it's an old school take on an IPA. I mean, it was the originator kind of, So I don't know. I I like it. This is a beer I would have again and again. Like I, this is something I would probably keep if it was around kind of technically a seasonal, they don't always make it at least in Nebraska. We can't always get it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when we do get it, it's in the summertime. So that's why those check-ins I had were summertime dates, I think.
0: Yep. They both were. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It's, I guess I never really, of course my beer journey hasn't been as long as yours. And so and it's been—I mean, Dolans has been even shorter, right? I mean, so yeah. it's—it just hasn't. We haven't had experience. You know, we haven't had experiences with beers like this necessarily yeah. until now.
1: That's what—that's what's fun about this. This show is trying things that are no, new and old, and old for us even. Like for America, that's old. That's an old
0: brewery. That's an old brewery. That's, and it kind of, honestly, kind of made me sad. And this will change, obviously, as kind of we come through what, you know, we're in right now. It's, you know, normally we would, i give like the hours if you wanted to go and visit this brewery or whatever, like, you have to buy tickets to go to this, to, to take the brewery tour. It's like 25 bucks to go on this tour. I'd pay every cent of yeah. that to go do that. Yeah, it'd be fun. Um, just, I
1: Just bet to see how different it looks. Yeah. It, it definitely is different. And if you have a chance to find that episode somewhere of the brew dog show where they make the beer and they go here and like tour it and talk to the guy, check it out. It's, it's well worth it. Just to see the the differences of,
0: of breweries back then to what we're at today. To what we're at now. Yeah. Man, I was, uh, I, I didn't know what to think Brian when you, when you dropped these off and I'm pretty happy with it. It's, that's, that one was, yeah. that was, that was, was a lot of fun. Not bad. Yeah. Good story, at least.
2: I liked it. I definitely think I'll be next year drinking this during the 4th of July over maybe the America, but just America. personal. Yeah.
1: Personal. Yeah. Me too. Me too, going. Maybe. <laughs> O'Brien, oh, we're
0: not going anywhere for a while. Let's have another beer. Thank you for listening to A Beer with Atlas. Special thanks to our brand team for producing the show. Each episode of A Beer with Atlas is powered by Atlas MedStaff, an industry leader in travel healthcare staffing.